Hello and welcome to the CrossFit Chilton podcast. My name is Jeremy Riley and I've been a fitness coach since the early 2000s. I've given over 15,000 hours of sessions and I want to use my experience to help you guys get fitter, happier and healthier. So for this episode today, I want to talk about mechanics, consistency and intensity. That's a little phrase that we like to use uh, with our coaches here to reinforce what our beliefs are in our training. And what that's about is that uh, when a lot of people start training, one of the first things they go to is intensity. And what I mean by that is they'll go all out on trying to move as fast as they can or trying to move the biggest weights they can. They feel like they have to be breaking sweat and, and getting close to throwing up to getting the most out of their sessions. And that's not the ideal way to get started, believe it or not. What this often leads to, you know, you turn up for your first session, you're like, right, I want to give this something. And especially those people that have come from a background of fitness and training in the past. So if they've been a sportsman or if they're, they were, you know, gym bunny previously, you know, any kind of um, fitness background, they're going to want to come in and they're going to come in hot, working to their absolute limits and feel like they're getting, you know, everything they can of the session. And I think they're attributing that that work is to how you get value out of your session. So the harder you're working, the more benefit you're gonna get from that training session. So if you come out of a session and you haven't really broken sweat as much as you'd like to, or you're not sore the next day, you know, you're not broken, then you haven't trained as well as you should. And that's not always the case, especially when you get started, but you really should be applying this mentality throughout all of your training career. How we want to get people started is one of the things that we do uh, when we get new athletes here in the box, how we want to get started is we want to make sure people are moving as well as they can before they start loading up the weights or loading up the intensity. For example, the first session you're going to do when you come here and train is you're going to learn how to do an air squat. Now, for those of you who don't know what an air squat is, I know uh, there's a lot of CrossFit jargon. I'm going to try and avoid that in these podcasts, but it won't always be that easy. I've been indoctrinated into the cult uh, sorry, the training methodology, I should say. Uh, and therefore, I will use some of these terms. But an air squat is basically just a body weight squat. Just the ability to stand up and then sit back down. It's very functional. If you can sit down on the toilet without using your hands, then you've pretty much got a squat nailed on. If you, When you try and sit down without using your hands, you fall down the toilet um, or you collapse onto the basin then maybe you need to work on your squat. And when we talk about functional fitness, we're talking about fitness that you can use in everyday life. So uh, a lot of the movements we do in our training will have a transfer over into everyday life. Some of them are more obvious than others. The squat is probably one of the most obvious functional fitness movements you're gonna find, because like I say, it's just sitting down and standing up. Others, you may have to join the dots a bit more carefully to find the connection between everyday life. But let's talk about that. So the first session you come in, the first time you come to CrossFit, we're going to get you to be doing some air squats and body weight squats. And we're going to be assessing how you move in those squats. Are you keeping your heels down? So is the weight going through the whole of your foot? Or are you rolling onto your toes? What's going on with your knees? Are your knees caving in when you're, when you're in that squat? Are you taking a super, super wide stance, turning your feet out as wide as you can to be able to get down low? Can you keep your abs tight? That's the best way I can describe that without going to jargon. Can you keep your body tight when you're going down? Can you keep your chest upright? Um, or are you folding forward and your, your chest is almost touching your knees? You're looking down head first at the floor because you can't stay upright in your squat. That's what we're looking at 
in your air squat. Are you using the muscles you want to do? Are you leading your squat with your hips or are your knees shooting forward in that squat when you're doing it? All of these factors you've got to take into account. How are you using the ground properly? Are you using it? Are you pressing through the ground? Are you creating some pressure through there? Are the leg muscles you want working? Are you using your glutes? You know, there's a, uh, if you're following fitness, you know how important uh, the glutes are for 90% of the movements that we do in everyday life. So are you firing those properly in those squats? The majority of people I see aren't doing that. I would say it's very, very rare that I go through that session with someone and I'm not picking out one or two things for them to work on. More often than not, it's several things they have to improve. But obviously, as a coach, we have to triage what we say. So we're only going to pick maybe two or three things to work on in that squat. And the other thing is, are you going low enough in your squat? And we've come from a lot of training. If you come to a lot of boot camps, circuit classes, you know, those kind of aerobic classes, a lot of the time um, they, they make the choice to not get you to go below parallel in your squat. In other words, you make what we call a, a half squat or a, or a three-quarter squat where, you're, where you don't bring your hips below your knees. It's a safety reason just because it's easier to coach that because you start seeing faults occurring when people do go lower in their squat. So if you give people a, a smaller squat, then those faults don't start occurring that early on. The negative side of that is that you're not going to be using... Uh, as much of the muscles as you should be using in a regular squat, you're not going to get the benefit from your training. Therefore, every one of those you know half squats you're using is probably worth you know half of a normal squat or even a quarter because you're just not going to be using your glutes. You're not going to be using your midline to stabilize. You're not going to be working balance, and you're definitely not going to be helping to improve your range of motion. Um, I've experienced this because a few times I've accompanied clients to camps and, and those sort of things and obviously I used to teach aerobic well you don't know not obviously but I used to teach aerobics back in the day believe it or not and I do not squat well first of all before I say this I want to make a disclaimer here those of you that have seen me squat and seen me move I do not squat well um, I have issues with my mobility that I am working on I squat a lot better than I did five years ago ten years ago um, and in the last couple of years I've made a more dedicated effort to get it even better because Obviously, I want to be able to practice what I preach, but I I do squat low enough. I do squat below parallel in an air squat. And when I've turned up at these classes, I'm always way behind the other guys. So when you get a boot camp and I say, right, I want you guys to do 50 squats, run around that tree, come back, flip the tire five times, give me 20 press-ups and so on and so forth. I'm way behind, but mainly because my range of motion, the movement, the range of motion of my movements is far greater than what you see in most of these other um, people that are performing in the boot camps because they're not held accountable for that movement. So therefore, you know, my squat takes probably twice as long as someone who's just dipping their butt down and and back up again, you know, kind of like a giant twerk rather than a squat. So I definitely notice when I've been to other fitness training sessions that some people don't reinforce that deeper squat. And like I say, if you've got a big group of you know, 30 people and you're the only coach in there and it's, you know, a lot of boot camps done at dark night, night time in the winter. You're not really seeing a lot of movement. You're just basically getting people to work hard and it's kind of putting that intensity aside first. And I've got nothing against boot camps or anything like that because I think people moving in any shape or form is highly beneficial. I'd much rather see people moving than not moving. There's a hundred times more benefit from going out and doing, you know, squats not to the full range of motion than doing no squats and just sitting on the sofa. Uh, but just from what we're looking for here we're looking for that full range of motion so yes 
you'll come along first session and you're going to be squatting down and we're going to be picking out what you need to do to improve and the reason we want you to do this the reason we want you to be able to do a bodyweight squat and make sure you can do that really effectively is that first of all if you're in a training session and you are doing bodyweight squats if you want to get the most benefit out of those sessions you need to be breaking parallel no squats as long as you can do so and maintain good form now again when i say 90 percent of people don't squat well I also think 90%, if not more, probably more like 95% of people can squat safely below parallel without risk of injury or anything else like that. I think the people that aren't are generally older athletes. So when I say older, I mean probably 50 plus, more likely 60 plus athletes that obviously haven't moved very much. So they may struggle initially to do that. But for most people, just squatting your own body weight, you should be able to get below parallel and you should always strive to do so as much as you can because that's going to get you the benefit of improving your range of motion as well you know one of the things i find as a coach is that people don't stretch i could tell people a hundred times you know the best stretches to do to improve this they won't stretch so the best thing you can do if you're not going to stretch and you know people can people can say oh i will stretch if you're not going to stretch because you're not going to go home as soon as you get home and sit on the sofa or or whatever you do when you get home um, that's it, you're done. So most people aren't going to stretch, then use the movement you're doing in the sessions to improve your range of motion, to improve your mobility. So if you are you know, squatting in your session, then work through that full range of motion because you know what it's going to do? It's going to improve your range of motion. Work on doing that well with good mechanics, doing it in the right order where you know, your hips are going back and down whilst you're flexing the knees, making sure your chest is staying up, all of the factors I mentioned earlier, and you're going to improve mobility through your hips, through your ankles, through your knees. Uh, yes, you can accelerate that by doing some specific flexibility, mobility work and having some soft tissue work with a professional, but the best thing you can do to improve range of motion is move through that range of motion. You want to train in the range required. So the first thing is, Doing those squats, bodyweight squats, is going to improve your range of motion. Trying to be as technically correct as possible on those bodyweight squats is going to mean you're going to be working better muscles. In other words, it's easy to drop down in the squat. Even if you are flexible and you see people that are flexible can drop super low in the squat, but then their chest collapses forward, their back rounds, uh, their head points down, and maybe their knees cave in as well. Um, so you may be able to get super low because you're bendy, but if you're not using your stabilizer muscles to keep your torso upright, in line, keeping your abs engaged, you've got that strong midline of your body staying tight when you're squatting, then when it comes to actually loading a weight, you haven't trained those muscles to, to, to hold that position. It's a completely different proposition when you add weight to that movement. So you want to be training your exercises when you're not using body weight as well as you would do when you are using barbells and kettlebells and dumbbells and loading that movement because then you're going to be training those muscles the whole time rather than only switching those muscles on when you've given yourself a weight. This is what we talk about mechanics first. So mechanics is how you move. Consistency basically means are you doing that every time you train as well? It's all very well moving well one session, but if you're moving badly the next session and then alternating between moving well and moving badly, for example... If you move, you know, 
really focus on your movement when you've got a weight in your body, but then as soon as you take the weight away, get sloppy with your movement, then you are not going to be improving mechanics on the long term because you're going to be reinforcing bad habits and then reinforcing good habits and reinforcing bad habits. You're just going to be going on a, on a, a vicious circle of good to bad, good to bad, good to bad. So being consistent with your virtuosity of movement is super important when you are training. Then if you can move well and you have those mechanics, so you can squat down exactly right and you've got those mechanics, that's when you then start thinking about adding intensity. Okay, we want people to be moving perfectly or as good as they can and as virtuously as they can before they start adding load. And if we see people adding load to their squat or we see people adding speed to their squat, and as soon as they do that, as soon as they increase their intensity, the mechanics just go to pot and everything just looks terrible again. Then you need to bring that down. We need to find that right balance between you moving well and you working hard enough to get a training effect as well from that session. Because obviously, yes, you could move perfectly, super, super slowly and not getting any other training benefit from the session. So we have to find that appropriate balance. That's our job as coaches. But the first job with everyone should be mechanics of movement first and that's why it's so important that when you start training you have a qualified coach who has that same thought about putting the mechanics first i see it so often in the in the fitness world nowadays that especially with not younger i'd say more inexperienced trainers or trainers that are less confident they believe that for someone to feel like they're getting value from the session they need to absolutely beast them. So you'll turn up for that session. I'll probably have maybe two minutes doing a warm-up and then you'll be you'll be straight on it. It'll be a minute of burpees followed by air squats as quick as you can and then putting some weights up and down over your head and throwing everything around. And I see it, you know, if you come in, see people come in for induction, they just think, right, you know what? The trainer's thinking to themselves. And, uh, you know, we're all guilty of it when we, when we start training because we think this is what people want. You know, the only reason people go and see a personal trainer is because they will push them. It's a kind of mentality, I think, when you first get into training or when you first set up a belief training, is that the only reason people see trainers is because they want to get pushed to the limits and they just haven't got the motivation to work out on their own. So you just want to absolutely smash them so that they're puking up in the corner and they're crying and the next day they're texting you saying, oh my God, I can't walk. From a client saying, oh, I'm so sore today, I can't walk. And oh my God, I've been able to sit on the toilet today. And although it's funny... It's not necessarily a sign that someone's a good trainer. I mean, anyone can get someone sore the next day and anyone can train someone to the point of I'm going to be qualified to do that. You just literally got to find the, the, the largest amount of volume at the highest speed, the greatest intensity you can find. You will absolutely destroy someone. And if that's kind of perception of what a, what a personal training session is about, you may be correct in some cases, but in terms of what we're looking for here, that is not our first priority. I'm not saying don't get muscle soreness when you come and train with me or, or with trainers here. And I'm not saying that you won't feel that point where you're you know, absolutely stuck in what we call the pain caves. You're in that point where it's very uncomfortable to train. But what I am saying is that that won't be our number one priority. Our number one priority is to get you moving well first if we feel you can move well and move faster and move with heavier weight, they won't be shy in adding those weights onto you. Then you can be sure of that. But yeah, be very careful when you go and see any coach for the first time and have in mind that they should be putting 
your movement quality first before anything else. They should be assessing how you're moving. It doesn't mean you need to go through an extensive assessment program where they, they put you through a series of weird exercises and they look at how you're having a specific goal in mind. But a lot of the time, I can assess someone in the first session just by getting them to do bodyweight squats, by getting them to do press-ups, by getting them to do you know, very, very simple movements. You can see someone's movement quality, even just doing a dynamic warm, just getting them to do simple dynamic movements as you warm up, like high knees, jogging, jumping, all of those things, you'll be able to give a good impression of how someone's going to move by watching that. So when you're training, this is what you're looking for. Now, if you're training on your own, these things are very difficult to see. But there is, obviously, nowadays we're blessed with loads of content and everyone has a, has a camera and a video camera on their phone. So if you are going to train on your own and you're not sure, are you moving well, then learn to self-assess, video yourself, have a look at yourself and then compare it to some of the people that you see giving good content on YouTube. The best site, I think, for uh, consistently good movement quality is CrossFit.com YouTube page. Um, I know I'm going to be CrossFit biased, but they have all the basic movements on there. They have a squat, they have a deadlift, they have press up. All of the basics you need to see are on there. So watch those demo videos and see how close you can get to that. The thing that um, you won't necessarily have if on your own is how you're going to scale those to your fitness level. So, for example, 50% of people can't do a press-up. How are you going to scale that to yourself? You're going to elevate your uh, your hands high. You're going to squat down to a, uh, squat to a box rather than to the floor. Um, I know that we can squat to our knee on our knees as well. Uh, sorry, press up on our knees as well. But yeah, that's one thing that maybe you won't have access to when you are training on your own. But you can make the best of it. The main reason for this is obviously uh, why should you move well first? I know it's obvious to some of you. Moving well makes your risk of injury much much lower. Second thing is moving well will get you to train more of the correct muscles than if you move poorly. So if you're moving poorly, um, you're going to be training yourself to carry on moving poorly. I always relate it to playing the piano and learning to play the piano, but playing the wrong notes. You're not going to get better playing the piano if you're just playing the wrong notes all the time. You're just going to get better at playing the wrong notes. You have to train yourself to move the right way so that you can consistently do that and you will get a huge amount of benefit from having those mechanics right if you're getting a full range of motion out of a movement you are training more muscle fibers you're training more muscles you're recruiting more muscles and also if you are moving well you're probably going to make yourself look better as well because if you look at someone do a poor squat or a poor press up or uh, those of you that can do a pull up a poor a poorly executed pull up you will see that their body will not look aesthetically good in other words their shoulders will probably be rounded in all of those movements they're going to be folded forward their belly sticking out because they're not engaging their core their midline in the mirror and you look hideous when you're performing exercises what are you think you're doing for your looks okay you're not going to get that set of look from training looking poor we all know that the people that train really well, move really well, when they're just standing up and walking around, they hold great posture and they look in better shape than maybe someone with exactly the same body fat measurement because when you hold yourself better, your shape is better. You know, your chest is up. You know, if you're engaging your glutes properly, your butt is up. Your abs are drawn in, so your belly's in as well. So, you, you know, you have a raised chest, a sucked in belly and tight butt. 
I mean, what more, what more do you want from that? So train the way you want to look as well. So it's got a benefit that you're not going to get injured, which is huge when you start training because the amount of people that when they start training get injured in the first couple of months is enormous. If you throw yourself into anything full out with poor form at a high intensity, yes, the injury risk is very high. And then you're not going to get that consistency. And obviously, if you start training and you get injured very early on as well, you lose that motivation. It's one of those you've taken. I always think the biggest step with people training is getting that first session, getting actually out the door to join a class, a gym, a training program, whatever, or just to go out for a run. Getting out that door and doing your first one. You've taken that huge step to get there and to train and to, and to actually start that routine. If you get injured very early in that, you're basically going back to the start where you've then got to come out of that injury and think, right, now I need to get that same first push to get training. That's the hardest part when you haven't trained for a while because you've got those doubts in there that, oh, I'm not fit enough or everyone's going to look at me because I look stupid. It's really, really important that you get through those first months and build that consistency with your training so that you then have that good habit that if you did get injured later on, it wouldn't be as hard to come back to it. But getting injured in those first few months is is a complete killer. It just throws you off the wagon. So really important that you focus on that movement quality first. Be consistent, like I say, build good habits. Once you've got that, once you can do that, then that's when you start layering on layer upon layer upon layer of intensity. But all the time thinking that intensity always has to be measured against um, is my movement quality as good as it should be? It's not going to be absolutely picture perfect when you're working at the limits of your intensity. But what we're looking for as coaches is, are you still moving well enough to get an effect from your training? If you're not moving well enough to get an effect from your training, then you need to bring that intensity down to a point where you can do that. And that can be lowering the weight. That can be making that movement slightly easier or just reducing the amount of reps you're doing or just slowing you down to a point where you can maintain that quality. Super, super important that you get this principle in everything you do training-wise. Get the basics right first, be consistent, and then manage your intensity. I want to open this podcast up to any questions that are really going to help me to, to build a better podcast and to provide good content to you guys. If you can give me some questions to answer, put some comments so that I can answer some questions and, and give you some more help with your training, with your lifestyle and with your nutrition. We're going to cover all these factors to get you happier, healthier, fitter. That's my passion. That's what I want to do throughout the community of athletes that I train, throughout the local area. I really want to see people because I think it's so important now. I think we're, we're getting through, uh, we're getting to a time now where mental health and physical health, which are so closely connected, are deteriorating uh, amongst people because we have a, such a sedentary lifestyle with such a, a high pressure life where we're constantly connected to work and we don't really seem to get away from screens so i really want this this podcast to help you guys to be able to get out that door train better get the most out of training enjoy it get like i say happier healthier and fitter Thanks for listening, guys. Please like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review on your podcast app. You can follow CrossFit Children on our social media channels, Facebook and Instagram. And you can follow me on Instagram at the.jeremy.riley. 
If you've got any questions for future podcasts, please leave them on our social media and I'll be happy to answer them. Thanks, guys.